Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. Happy Labor Day weekend. Guys ready to celebrate? Anyone celebrating this weekend? All right, all right. Sometimes we grill out, sometimes we hang out. Um, Some are coming to the Frankfurt Fall Fest. I don't know if you're going to the Frankfurt Fall Fest. For us at Amazing Love, we're walking in a parade. In fact, if you want to, we have t-shirts, we'll hand out candy, we'll hand out business cards. It's going to be an awesome celebration. And as we get going today, I want to talk about our lives as one of celebration. I'm going to show you a video. It's kind of classic. It it resonates, at least in my mind, as a kid of the 90s. Um, But there's two characters in this video. You have to pick out which one you are more like. Okay, so you'll see two characters, and you're going to see which one you're more like. Here we go. That's good, isn't it? Classic. So which one are you more like? Are you the Carlton 
who is looking for any reason to dance. When no one's looking, you got so much joy starting in the morning, and you're just looking for a way, right, right? Or are you more like that fresh prince, looking at everyone who's so joyful, like, tone it down too much. What do you got so much to be excited about, right? I'm not sure what your self-assessment draws you to, but I would admit that I'm a realist. I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. I don't know if there's any other realists in the building. Different than an optimist. And and a realist is probably more like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? A realist looks at, at, you know, not just the the glossy things and is not a Pollyanna, but but understands that we're going to have some problems sometimes. And so I'm probably more gravitating towards this position than I am towards the, I can't do the Carlton. Anyway, (laughs) not going to try. Anyway. But then I was studying for what we're going to talk about today. And I came across this quote, and it really resonated with me. It was from Chuck Swindoll. And he said this. He said, I honestly don't believe God desires us to grind out our existence in a long tunnel of tasks and responsibilities and deadlines. God has given us joy rather than sadness. He's exchanged our tears for smiles. Yet many still find themselves more comfortable with mourning and fretting rather than rejoicing and celebrating. Did they hit you at all? Maybe it was just me. Because maybe it was the white German in me that doesn't have rhythm, you know, that I'm not more of a dancer. But, but again, this isn't my gravitational pull. And, and honestly, I could tell you that there's a balance to this statement. You know, as Jesus bore a cross, I, I think followers of Jesus will have their crosses to bear. I do believe that. I could tell you about struggle and the struggle being real. Uh, but, but maybe there is some truth in there that i got to pause a little bit more on. Maybe not all of my life needs to be like this. Maybe I have room for a little bit of dancing, and I guess that's where I'm going. And I wanted to ask you, is there room in your life for a little bit more celebration? Is there room in your life for a little bit more joy? Hmm. If you're like me, this word will speak to you and hopefully guide you. And that's what we're going to talk about. So uh, one of the reasons this is important, why we need to get good at celebrating, is I believe we're going to be celebrating as an eternal responsibility. Uh, If you're a Christ follower, and by the way, you're welcome here, even if you're not, uh, we're just glad to tell you about Jesus. But if you're a Christ follower, look at what eternity is like. In Matthew, it says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. We are going to party forever. That's the whole responsibility. I like that. And for me, I've been to some parties, I've been to some dances, and I don't want to just be a wallflower. I've been a wallflower long enough. And you can be a wallflower here on earth, which means you don't dance, you stand by the wall. As, anyway, you know that. And it means you want to get in the dance. And that's me. In heaven, I want to dance with somebody. I want to be partying, right? I want to work it out. But maybe my life can use a little bit more practice of the party. A little bit more practice of the celebration. Let's talk about that. So we're in this series, Esther, and um, has it been a good series so far? Been okay? Okay, well... It's the end, and hopefully we go out with a bang, you know, so I'm sorry if you really enjoyed it, because now we're shutting it down, Um, and uh, and, and what we're going to see is they end with a celebration, they end with some joy. Um, If you were here last week, we learned how Esther's plans culminated, so she was able to reverse the edict. The Jews who are set for annihilation no longer are set for annihilation, they're going to live. King Xerxes changed his mind. We see now the the other culmination of the Jews coming to power, of Mordecai being in power, and what they do to commemorate this victory. 
So let's read there. It's kind of long. It's Esther chapter 9. I invite you to follow along in the worship folder on the screen, whatever your pleasure is. Let's get going. It says, On the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, the edict commanded by the king was to be carried out. On this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but now the tables were turned. And the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. The Jews assembled in the cities and all the provinces of King Xerxes to attack those determined to destroy them. But no one could stand against them because the people of all the other nationalities were afraid of them. This is so significant. I I don't have enough time to preach on this. It's another lesson. But so many times, you know why God's people won a great victory? Because of the fear of God that was created, not by them, but by God. God so fought for his people that whether it be in Jericho, whether it be in Canaan, uh, whether it be the hornet that some say just is the fear of God going before his people, he caused that victory based on what he was doing in the hearts and minds of others. So anyway, it goes on to say, And the nobles in the provinces, the satraps, the governors, the king's administrators helped the Jews because they had fear of Mordecai, which I think came from God, which had seized them. Mordecai was prominent in the palace, His reputation spread throughout the provinces and he became more and more powerful. Now look what they do to celebrate. Mordecai recorded the events and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes, near and far to have them celebrate annually the 14th and the 15th days of the month of Adar. As the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration, He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy, of giving presents of food. I wonder what that was. Hot dogs, hamburgers? I don't know. To to one another and to gifts to the poor. So the Jews agreed to continue the celebration they had begun, doing what Mordecai had written to them. I'm going to skip these verses. It's just illustrating what had happened, uh, the, the story that unfoiled. And it came back on their own heads, right? You know, uh, all of what Haman had planned. Picking up at verse 26. Therefore, these days were called Purim, from the word pure. Uh, Now, pure was just a a Hebrew word for lot. Haman had cast lots that on the day uh, set was the Jews' annihilation. Purim is the plural of pure. So in English, it's an S, like we would say, pures. In Hebrew, it's an im, so Purim. And what it's basically saying is the lot set for our annihilation is now the lot assigned for our victory. Purim is kind of just about how the tables had turned. Because of everything that had written in this letter and because of what they had seen and what they had happened to them. The Jews took it on themselves to establish the custom that they and their descendants and all who would join them should without fail observe these two days every year in the prescribed way and at the appointed time. These days should be remembered and observed in every generation by every family and in every province and in every city. And these days of Purim should never fail to be celebrated by the Jews, nor should the memory of these days die out among their descendants. The word of God. So they had a victory. But having a victory wasn't enough. They were going to celebrate it. They were going to dance. They were going to remember what the Lord had done. In our lives, don't we need a little bit more of that? A little bit more of celebration. A little bit more of holding on to what is good. In fact, could you turn to the person next to you or find someone and just tell them, hold on to the good. 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 good. 
And then today we're going to talk about the reason we have to celebrate and three ways how celebration can ensue. So let's, 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 get, let's get moving. Um, in Illinois, I had this um, lucky, lucky, uh, it's kind of like I won the lottery. There, there was this card sent to me in the mail, and I was so excited about this card because the card said that I was lucky enough to get my emissions tested. Anyone get one of these cards? And once I got that card, my expectations had been set. Now, for me, going to the DMV or the emissions testing place, my expectations are not so good, right? In fact, there's nowhere I, I think I wouldn't rather want to be anywhere else but, but those places. In fact, I, I go up and, and usually that, that room that you wait in, it's kind of like waiting outside the doctor's office for the diagnosis. You're just wondering how wrong it is and how much it's going to cost. And I don't mean to be a drama person, but, you know, it just, it's, it's unsettling, right? You know? And then I have expectations of how long it's going to take. Because if you've ever driven to the vehicle's emissions place, you're playing the line game. And I always lose. I always pick the line where, like, they, five cars went in that line, and now I'm stuck. It's claustrophobic. I can't get to that line that's moving. I'm stuck, and this car must have died. And I'm behind that guy. You know what I'm saying? So I have expectations about going to get my emissions tested, and they're not good. But let me tell you how it went down. This past week, I went to Joliet, and I went to get my emissions tested, and I saw things look different. The sign said two minutes. I didn't see many cars at all. In fact, I pulled around the corner. There was no line. I didn't even stop my car. I rolled right in to get my emissions tested. My old jalopy, which has a like, check engine light on sometimes, I'm thinking, you know, here we go, thousands of dollars. It passed. It was awesome. And it all took about five minutes, which is not the norm. And if you're looking for a sign of the end times, this is it. Okay? I know with the eclipse, but this... Because this is not what you expect going to get your emissions tested. So I left happy, which was different. And a grin on my face, a spring in my step, it was great. Have you ever gotten the opposite of what you expected? I guess that's my point. I've gotten the opposite. It's great when it happens, right? The story of Esther is that. And what we just read was that. The exact opposite of what should have happened. Verse 1, look what it said again. It said, On the 13th day of the 12th month, when again he had cast the lot for their annihilation, on this day the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, but the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand. On the day that they should have been killed, the whole race wiped out, is that they stood their ground and they actually fought what, what some historians say is a just war. And I'm not sure if you know what a just war is. Many historians just say it's a war of self-defense. You can have a just war if you're defending yourself. And that's what they did that day. And they did have to kill some people. They did take lives, but they fought a just war and they lived. And you look at Mordecai. Mordecai, who should have been impaled on a 75-foot pole that Haman had constructed. Mordecai, it now says, is now rising to power like never before. This is the opposite. Friends, you know what I've come to tell you? This is our first takeaway. In Christ, you get the exact opposite of what should be expected. We might not have the story of Esther, but we have our own story because we know that what sin leads to. The wages of sin is death. Sin makes us God's enemies, and yet in Christ, because of Christ, we don't fear death, we look forward to life. 
in Christ, sinners are, are, are able to be called righteous. My position before was an enemy of God, cast aside, but now I'm raised up to be an heir with Christ and be called his child. The opposite. Once I was lost without purpose. I didn't know what this life was about, but in Christ I have found purpose. I have found the life that is to the full, and I I now understand that living for him has meaning, and love has meaning, and and trying to, again, spend, spend time for the kingdom has meaning. He's changed all of those things. I was reading a, from a pastor who didn't say the opposite, but he was talking about reversals. I, I need to share it with you because I thought he put it so well. His name is Mark Driscoll. He's a, a pastor. And, and this is how he put it about all these reversals. Look what it says. It says, Mankind wanted to become like God, but in a reversal, God became a man. The Son of God lived in riches and glory, but in a reversal came in poverty and humility for us. We were destined to die for our sins, but in a reversal, our God died in our place for our sins. We are without righteousness and with sin, but in a reversal, Jesus took our sins and gave us his righteousness. Our sin brought us death, but in a reversal, Jesus' death brought us life. Jesus died and was buried, but in a reversal, he rose to defeat death. And lastly, Jesus returned to heaven, but in a reversal, is coming again to reverse the curse. This is good news. This is the reason we can celebrate regardless. The reason we can have peace and joy regardless. This is a reason, again, for us to be dancing in the streets. It's a reason to have the joy that David had as he saw the Ark of the Covenant, and he did spiritually dance. I'm not sure what it looked like, but anyway, proof of dancing in in the kingdom of God, and, and, and we can do that. We have joy. But now how do we do it? We have the reason for joy, the reason for celebration. Now how do we do it? Let's talk about that next. I don't know, how many of you can relate to having crazy busy lives? I know I'm speaking to no one who can relate to this. Crazy busy? Anyone crazy busy? Okay, crazy busy. In fact, some of you know that when the alarm goes off and you hit snooze for the third time, any snoozers? Who, Who are my snoozers? Okay, I'm a snoozer. One time. Um, it it kind of goes like this. Let me read a statement. It's like this. From shower, coffee, commute, coworkers, commode, communications, complications, crazy situations, constant distractions, lunch, commode, communications, projects, completion, crazy exhaustion, crashing, done. Right? That's your day. In fact, if you don't want English read fast like the Micro Machine guy, um, how about this emoji series? I created emojis. How many of you are like this, Right? And maybe like you have half of that family time, right? Maybe that, and the shower maybe for some is over there. But, you know, it's all done. I was listening to a great speaker. Her name was Juliet Funt. And she was saying how we need to have more white space or strategic downtime in the workplace and in life. And it so resonated with me. It so resonated with me. And then I look at my life and what I'm trying to accomplish, or you look at your life, what you're trying to accomplish, and I compare it to Jesus' life. Now, was what Jesus was trying to accomplish more significant or less significant than what we're trying to accomplish? Would anyone say more? Yeah, okay, very good. Hey, there's this great uh, t-shirt that has all the superheroes lined up by Jesus, and, and, and they're all asking him, now tell us how you save the world, right? Because that's what he did, Right? But then you look at Jesus' life. Where is the passage of him running around like a chicken with his head cut off? 
Where is the passage saying, I don't have time for you? Isn't it almost the opposite? You know, on a very busy day, and the children were coming, and the disciples thought, obviously, children are bugging me. He says, no, 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 I got time for children. Come on, l- l- let them come. Let's talk, right? He healed almost everyone he met. I don't know of a time where he said, I'm too busy to heal you, right? Sometimes he would test them and strengthen their faith, but, but he had time. In fact, look at also Jesus was known for doing. It said this, he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, if Jesus, who saved the world, could do that, is it possible that we, too, need to make room to reflect? That's the first way to celebrate. You've got to make room for reflection. You've got to make time for white space. And this is when we're praying to God over all the victories that he gave us. And we're praying to God over all the battles that we see in the future. And we say, you go get him, God, and I'll do my part, right? But we need this period of reflection in order to have lives of celebration and lives of joy. And that's exactly what's going on in this lesson. See, they could have just went on. They could have just said, okay, we won, and now back to reality, back to work. But look at what happened. Mordecai recorded the events, sent letters to all the Jews, and then it said they're going to celebrate them annually. They're going to make time. So us too, let's make time for reflection. But there's more, there's more. Um, To talk about the next way, I need to talk a little bit about what's on the hearts and the minds of many people. And that is uh, pictured here, Hurricane Harvey. And I remember this week watching the news with my girls. And um, I mean, it's just a crazy story. Trillions of gallons of water affecting so many different people. And uh, truly, it's good that we pray in such situations. Uh, Girls had prayer requests after seeing that video, right? And so we prayed for the victims of Harvey. And and, um, and if you want to get involved, our our Wells uh, church body has the Committee of Aid and Relief. And you can give to them. In fact, if you give to our missions outreach tab electronically, that money will go to the, the Committee on Aid and Relief. Okay? But here's what I know about Hurricane Harvey. This week won't be the last week we talk about it. Wouldn't you say? What we know is that it's going to have ongoing effects and it will have a way of sticking in our memories. Natural disasters have a way of sticking in our minds, don't they? Can anyone name another hurricane that kind of sticks in your mind? Katrina, right? Or Ivan? Or Charlie? Or how about this? Does anyone remember any tornadic activity in this area? Lived in the area long enough to to remember any tornadoes. Plainfield, Coal City, Tornado Alley, right? Or how about this? Um, Can you look back at our nation's history and and recount some of the terrorist attacks? The the bad things that happened in our country. Stick out, right? Well, let's, let's draw it away from the nation and make it a little bit more personal. If I asked you to do a thumbnail sketch of your life, and all of the bad things, the traumatic things. You could probably sketch it, couldn't you? You could probably tell me the events and what stuck out. But go with me here. If I flip the script, and if I ask you to record the last 20 years of victory in our nation, what comes to mind? Look at our nation, what victories? The Cubs winning the World Series. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> But besides that, 
any... Where does your mind go for victory? Your life. We're, we're brilliant at coming up with the bad. Would you be able to give me just as a long of a thumbnail sketch of all the good things, of all the victories, of all the graces and the favors? And if this exercise worked anything in your heart and mind like it did for me, the, the reality is I forget about all the good. I too often have a bad news mentality. I get over the victories too quickly. And then I think today, what if, what if God forgot about me as many times I forgot about him? If that was the case, I'd be lost. And so my heart of repentance today, I don't know about you, is a heart of repentance for overlooking grace, for overlooking good, for asking, gimme, 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 and I got it, and then I just said, gimme, gimme, gimme. I didn't say thanks. I didn't pause. I didn't recognize. And the reality is, this sin is complaining. This sin gets in the way of our relationship with a holy God, and we bring it to him before and say, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. Right? Let me remind you of God's goodness. Not a day goes by, not a moment, not a second, not a millisecond where he forgets about you. He doesn't slumber or sleep, the psalmist says. In fact, I love what it says in Isaiah. Look at the goodness of our God. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Maybe there are some moms in the building. When your kids go off to school, do you still think about them? Go off to college, still think about them? Get married? Right? It's pretty strong, isn't it? That, that emotion, right? And he's making the comparison that even though there might be a mom who would forget, guess what? I don't. I do not forget you. I do not forget the struggles you have and the battles that you face and what's going on in your life. I will not forget you. I cannot. It's not part of my character. It can't happen. That's how much I love you. And this love for you led Jesus to come down and do what we couldn't do and bear our cross and forgive our sins and remind us we have never been forgotten. We've always been planned on. We've always been in mind when it comes to our Savior. So if he doesn't forget, let's have this go both ways. And our next way of celebrating is doing this. We've got to make a record of the victories. We've got to make a record do what we can. That's what they were doing here. They were going to sit down and they were going to recount the story. That was what verses 24 and 26 are all about. Haman, his plan, his fall, they were going to remember it every year. It reminds me of the stories we tell every year. Like at Christmas. Does anyone read Luke 2 every Christmas? Right? Luke 2 or the night before Christmas. Or, or maybe you've been to a pageant, an Easter pageant or a Christmas pageant. They used to throw the Esther pageant. And some commentators said that the little kids at that day, whenever um, Haman's name was read, they'd boo. And, and whenever Mordecai and Esther, they'd say, yay! And I don't know what they did with the impaling, because that'd be weird to put in a pageant. But anyway, uh, they had a pageant about it, and they were going to remember it, and they were going to tell people about what happened. They're always going to remember this victory, because they, they made a record. So what are you doing to record? Now, I, I don't have the answer for you, but maybe you could get a journal, buy a moleskin, you know? Write it down. Maybe you have some pictures on your phone and it's time to print them out and put them in frames on your wall uh, like this. This is uh, one of our first services at Amazing Love. 
2009, and it was the reaffirmation of Nadia's baptism, where through the grace of God, through the water and that word, he made a dead thing alive, which he does because it's his grace to us. We keep it in our mind. I grabbed this from her bookshelf, right? Because it's in her room. We're going to record them. We're going to say, God, you've done significant things in my life, and I'm not going to forget about them. We're going to remember your faithfulness. And I think of that when it comes to this church. I was doing a little bit of that because what you need to know is we didn't get here like just today. We didn't just like arrive and then have a building and, and awesome people and, and, and a platform to tell people about Jesus. And I was just going over in my mind certain people that just stick out to me. You know, um, I was remembering meeting Pete and Taryn when I first got here in those core group meetings. And I remember Kim Kales being there and, and, and how awesome that was. And I remember when we, we didn't think we were going to have music, we were going to have MIDI music. And, and Nate Hint, uh, not, not Nate, Nate, I'll get to Nate Hintz, uh, but Nate Krug said he was going to play for us. And, and then, uh, you know, Courtney and Phil have come along, and that's been amazing. And, and Sandy, remember Sandy, and she would fill in so uh, selflessly. I remember uh, Rich and Marjean and, and meeting with them very early on, and, and just all that they've done for this building and this property. I remember Trinity and, and how they would share with us, Pastor Italiano and Mark Blauert. I remember Nate Hintz and, and how he would just come on in, please help with soccer camp and his willingness to, and, and the whole Hintz family uh, to do that. And, and, and I remember David Wells now coming on board and just owning what we're doing. And, and Jeff Rui, what a, what, a, what a year Jeff Rui has had. And have you seen our pictures? Oh my goodness, my, our pictures. It's incredible. And, and, and I just look at Matt Speldy and leading our development team, and we've never had a better bookkeeper in Edie. And, and we have children's ministry, and we have Mark and Marlena who are doing a ton and a lot of different gap filling. And our team ministry, and, and, and so many different fill-ins over there. And it's amazing. And we know the glory goes to God, but sometimes we just need to pause and say, thank you. It's been good. It's been good, Dan. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Glory to God, but thank you for all that we do together. It means something. It's building to something. God knows our hearts. Now, I want you to participate. So today is an active sermon. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to pick up a pen. They should be before you. And pick up a connection card. So pen and connection card. Pen and connection card. I now want you to raise your pen and connection card in the air. Very good. We're participating well. And what we're going to do is we're going to be part of this record. And this is our participation. I want you to write some good thing about your experience with Amazing Love. So you can get on it. On the back of your connection card, and we're going to hand them in. You write some good thing. And I know you might just be visiting us. So you write down how good our chairs are. Because they're amazing. Right? Anyway, I don't know. Or maybe you write down about the donuts. I'm not sure. But, but now is the time to think about whether it was a message that you heard. Whether it was a person that you met. Whether it was a day that totally flipped for you because you were in this place and God gave you some different mojo. Record something good. Record something good. Now what we're going to do is we're going to put this record on Facebook. We're not going to put your name. So with that, you can, again, feel free to hand in it based on your comfortability, but we're going to keep it anonymous. 
But we're just going to say, God, thank you. When we could have closed up shop, when we could have done nothing, when the synod could have said, maybe it's not worth it. No, we're here. Thank you. Thank you, God. You've been good. And so you get to participate. And while you're writing, I'm going to lead us into our next point. But I'll give you a little bit of time. It's like that test. We have access class coming up, and I always know, like, who are the fast test takers and who are the slow ones. I was always a slow test taker. I was always the last guy handing it in. Anyway. But there's a final thing we need to consider today about a life of celebration, and it coincides great with Labor Day. I was doing some research. Why did Labor Day get started? Look at, look at what it says here. It says, Labor Day is the first Monday in September. It's a creation of the labor movement and is dedicated to the social and economic achievements of American workers. It constitutes a yearly national tribute to the contributions workers have made to the strength, prosperity, and well-being of our country. Okay, so I know why, but what it is, is it's a day off of work, right? And how many have one of those glorious things called a three-day weekend? Anyone? Beautiful. Don't, don't, don't you want to kiss the man who created the three-day weekend? Right? Or woman, whoever it was. That is a great idea. And, and think of what happened on Labor Day. They could have said, well, we have work to do. We can't stop. But, but someone in their right mind said, no, no, there's always going to be work today. We're going to pause. Good person. Good person. Do you know, let's do some history. When God was in charge of his people, he said that your people, they would not just have an annual day off, a Labor Day. How often would that day be? Weekly. They would have a weekly Labor Day. That The third commandment, if you grew up, was remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And Sabbath literally means rest. And, and yes, it was spiritual rest. It was about thinking and reflecting on God. But yes, it was also physical rest. It was time for your body to repair. It was time for your emotions to repair. And if you want to lead a life of celebration, final point. I do believe you need to make a plan for recovery. See, you and I can probably track where our intense periods are going to be. If I look at your calendar, you can tell me this week is going to be bad, right? But then, if you know you're having a bad week, are you planning what happens after? Are you doing your best to make time for recovery? To recover with the Lord, not separate from the Lord, especially if you're a Christ follower. Don't, don't just go to the cabin. Don't, I'm not against cabins. Don't just go again, you know, to, away from, but, but rest with the Lord, right? But get that rest. I was reminded of how essential recovery is because um, I, I played softball this past week. And I forgot that I was 35 years old. And what that meant is that I wanted to sprint like I used to sprint but my hamstrings were not up for that idea. No, they weren't. And so I got a pulled hammy. I do. I'm walking better, but I'm not sure I can sprint. Pulled hammy. Don't feel sorry for me. But here's what I've learned about my pulled hamstring. To get better, I'm not going to practice sprinting. Right? Do you know that about your body? If I need it to get better, what do I need to do? I need to rest. It's very simple. You need to not use it as much as you possibly cannot use it. That's 
That's how God made the body. If that is how God made the body, is that not how he made our lives? Us busy Americans who run, who are frantic, who are go, go, go. We're all busy, okay? This, this last point is as hard for everyone in this, in this whole church as it is for anyone else. It's hard for everyone. But make a plan. And maybe it's kids talking to parents saying, we're overbooked. It's too much, Mom. Too much, Dad. Maybe it's a spouse saying, we're going at this the wrong way. Too much. We need to reconsider what these plans are. Have the conversation. God built you to recover. So we have reasons to celebrate. And the way to celebrate is through R&R and R. And R. It's through, again, reflection. It's by recording the victories, and it's by planning for recovery. But now let me pray for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, finally we give our lives and our time into your hands, and we just seek your blessing. Um, there, There are many things to do and many responsibilities, and it is good to work hard. But after we have worked hard, help us to rest. Help us to spiritually rest and find our peace in you, but then also help our body to recover. I pray for all the exhausted people, all the stressed out people, all the anxious people, and I just ask that you would supernaturally work in their lives to give them a peace, to let them know it's going to be okay, to let them know you are there once again, and grant us rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.